podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Hey everyone, welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation. I'm Matt. And I'm Andy. <laughs> oh, <a> <laughs> what's the theme? Western, Western <laughs> twang on there, Andy. That's right. Must be in honor of today's episode, A Fistful of Datas, which, uh, you know, I guess uh, I'll answer the question that someone's probably wondering. And that is the following question. Which, of course, is the question <laughs> we are always asking. What is the question? <laughs> it's this question, Andy. <laughs> Matt. Matt, would you have them watch this episode? Uh, uh you can. It's <laughs> becoming your own version of I'm Andy. It's, just, <laughs> it's more about the performance than it is the information. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, I agree. It also is like a spur. I don't really think about it beforehand. Like, before I hit the button, Andy. Uh, yeah, I don't that's know what makes it delightful, sure. I don't you clearly don't. Because it's like, hey, because uh, I watched it today and I was just like, I, I mean, look, I've seen worse things. Oh, interesting. Uh, haven't you? <laughs> Sure. I mean, just, Nobody wants that as their pull quote on the movie poster, yeah, though. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've seen worse. Mm, you know. Uh, all right. So that that's uh, the, 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 the that's there's some. I mean, there's some things in this episode that like uh, nice little touches that I really enjoyed. Um, mostly with the music. I thought the music was particularly good this week. Um, that being said, enough about me. Enough about you. Yeah. Let's head into the Admirals cl- uh, Club to hear people talking about me and you. Go to leave a five-star review and join the Admirals Club. So, Matt, uh, yeah. our, our uh, Admiral Admittee this week uh, is uh, Philip Ash- Ashworth. And uh, he writes to us, uh, Hi, Matt and Andy. Here's my five-star review. It feels just dandy to be in the Admirals Club. Um <laughs> This is his, his letter that he sent, his hail, that he sent uh, with his, his Admiral's Club, uh, uh, because he's from Manchester in the UK. Yep. And he says, after the Rascals episode, I'm very lo- much looking forward to Andy attempting the accent while reading my review. Keep up all the good work. And he oh, sent me a file, he, so I've... He, he did exactly what Andy asked. <laughs> sent a recording of him saying the thing that he wrote us. And, uh, and I now studied Andy, it. the master <laughs> of all accents. Okay, now let me just. Will now present into... to you what I would describe as probably a tour de force uh, performance. Right. And uh, no longer. I wish that we hand. had some sort of theme for this, but we mm. don't. Uh, if only we had people so. that listen to this podcast. That seemed eager to create an infinite amount of, the- of themes and jingles. Well, look, I can just... Uh, here we go. I'm going to play one. It's going to be... Andy's uh, Accent Corner? Andy's Accent Corner. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Andy's Accent Corner. Um, okay, I listen to this a lot. Uh, and 
And here I go. Just got to get into that Manchester head. Here is my review of this podcast. I can only say this. Of all the Frank Sinatra pods I've encountered in my travels, this is the most brief. That's it. (laughs) That did not sound very northern to me. No? What, 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 what was I, what should I lean on more? Well, that felt I'll t- like... I'll take notes. Here's what I, that felt like to me. That felt like... I know, I, me- I messed up the, of all the Frank Sinatra pods. He uh, gives me that Sinatra. That felt like you were a, oh. a, a recently dazed, maybe hit his head uh, <laughs> on a cabinet, uh, <laughs> Michael Caine. <laughs> mm, interesting. Yeah. Where's Michael Caine from? That's Let's an excellent out. question. Where is, where is Michael Caine from? If Michael Caine is from Manchester, I am going to do a jig. <laughs> I don't think Michael Caine's from Manchester. Uh, Let's see. He's got a. It's a Cockney accent and uh, uh, London. He's a Londoner. Londoner. All Michael right. Caine. Anyway. Well, all I can tell you is this is right on the money for this guy. <laughs> Size of a so I don't know if he worked his Manchester out of his accent. Well, also, look. you know, I'll tell you something, uh, Phil. Uh, you want to write in and tell me where I was off on the accent? I'll also take that. Or maybe you don't think he was off at all because only Andy and you have heard it. That's true. Uh, so that, ladies and gentlemen, that now brings us to the close of Andy's Accent <laughs> Corner. <laughs> And it's time to go to the president's circle. The United Federation of Planets President's Circle. Oh, here we are. It's President's Circle. If you want to be a member, head over to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. And, uh, become a supporter of this very podcast uh for your troubles not only will you get priority one access to us when messaging for various episodes but you'll also get up to four bonus episodes every single month this month uh you've got yourself some into the spider verse to look forward to obviously star trek voyager and lieutenants as well as presidents get access to an episode of enterprise that andy and i dive into and uh we wrapped up uh, discovery with all of the star trek shorts andy who is the christopher pike medal of valor a particularly interesting comment from our presidents um, uh, before we get to that, Matt, did you want to mention anything? Because we've gotten a lot of questions about lower decks. I don't know if you'd made your decision, or are we is that? Oh still yeah, yeah. A... So the way I mean, there's a lot of new Star Trek coming out, everybody. So Andy and I are going to be doing. We're gonna we're gonna record. A, so we already recorded for this month, and it was all the Star Trek shorts uh, for the Patreon. And next month, uh, we'll be recording again for the Patreon. But there won't be any new discovery. So what we're going to do is we're going to sort of do like a broad cover of all of uh, the lower decks that have been out to that point. Uh, and then by the time October rolls around, guess what, everybody? Discovery is back and new. So we'll be back into the discovery mode. There you go. There um, you go, everybody. <laughs> I feel like it's more appropriate here than for Andy's accent. Corner. Sure. Um, a little bit more triumphant. Uh, this uh, month's Christopher Pike uh, Medal of Valor uh, awardee um, goes to, um, and I, yeah, I got to tell you, 
she really slanted it to to win this medal. Uh, goes to Jess, who is attracted to Andy. I'll, I'll push together as one thing. <laughs> sure. Uh, in 1992, when I was just a 10-year-old Jess who has a crush on Data, I'll push together, um, yeah. Star Trek had already taught me a valuable lesson. Children are the worst. It would have been understandable. This is in reference to Rascals, obviously. It would have been understandable to have no children on the Enterprise, but TNG made a point to have them present but terrible. I remember loving this episode and being very excited at the end because it was not resolved to me that Roe would go through with a transporter fix. I was immediately on board with the further adventures of Kid Roe. Oh, great, man. That is such a great title for a sure. show. Uh, and kind of still am. You know, that's a great way to do it. You could have... Michelle Forbes doing a crazy kid voice even today. Uh, rewatching it now, I was uh, struck by the fact that only two of the affected were human. It would have been interesting to see Guinan and Roe changed in other ways or not at all, as we don't know if their species experience RVN changes as part of physical maturity. What's well, RVN? First, first of all, RVN is a made-up thing for Star Trek. Oh, uh, because uh, Pillar was like, oh, "We're tired of DNA sequencing. Make up something." <laughs> I see. <laughs> and uh, she ends on uh, but, PSN. But, but to her point, uh-huh. the Elorians and the Bajorans are made-up races. So, yes, they are a val- very valid, valid, valid. Uh, so they probably have a different point. made-up acronym for them. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, she ends on a P.S. Andy, if my username makes you uncomfortable, I'll change it, though it won't be any less true. Thank you so much, Jess. It doesn't make me uncomfortable at all. It only uh, gives me the... Uh, the, the the sad desperate need I have for some kind of approval during this uh, this quarantine. Uh, um, I just I, hang on. Let me just I just to that point of the um, uh, of her email regarding kids. I do. Yeah. There was a joke on um, lower decks. on lower decks that made me laugh real hard, involving uh, the kids thing. Yeah. And uh, so one of the characters goes through the command training program on the holodeck. Is this a spoiler uh, or is this okay? I'm just going to, I'm just, is it a spoiler? It's a joke. I don't think it's a spoiler. (laughs) All right. You're on your own. Maintain course. Ship destroyed. Casualties 105%. Wait, how did I kill more than the whole crew? Okay, that was a rough start. FYI, in situations like that, try employing the Janeway protocol. Got it. And what's that? <laughs> Good one. All right, let's try something more straightforward. Computer, command trainer four. Initiating basic training simulation. Captain, we're directly in the path of a small asteroid. Should we move to avoid? Uh, do the Janeway protocol. Uh, are you sure, sir? Yes. Collision alert, sir. The kindergarten on deck eight. It's gone. Uh. Now the pre-K is gone. All the ship's children have been injected into space. Freeze program. That's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. That is a great joke. So funny. And I I watched it. I was laughing so hard at that by myself. And I texted my buddy, uh, Chris Kula, who was the EP on the show. And uh, quite frankly, I didn't even know that was his episode. (laughs) Oh, did he write that joke? I assume. Yeah, well, you, mean, know how, you, you never know. know. How you work. never know. But what the, whatever uh, the case, good, good work, Kula. That's, that's so impressive. Fun. That really made me laugh out loud. Okay, that was a minor. It was a minor uh, joke spoil. <laughs> um. All right, into the priority one messages proper. Mm-hmm. 
Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Our first is uh, from Lieutenant Neil Studd, who writes, Given how easily the group will return to adults at the end, did the Enterprise just discover the cure for aging? Should they call Scotty and McCoy back and get them 100, another 100 years of life? That's what I said. I said that yeah. this is immortality. Like, they've just accidentally discovered how to make people immortal. Um, it's crazy. I wonder... You can't really... Let me ask you a question, Matt. If you were, if you were say, running the show... Yeah. Back in the day, and you just you hit a dead end, and it's two a.m., and you're way behind schedule. Yeah, in the writing process, and you're like, "Well, we could do some funny business with the transporter and bring him back, or do some crap yeah. like that, or make him young." Would you do it? Oh yeah, for sure. And I would have, I would have thrown in a line, just like the reason we can do this in this circumstance, yes. but no other circumstance. Yes. And yeah. I would have thrown a line in about the particular circumstances of the RVN sequences, and this wouldn't work on anybody else, but. Right. Given that these two have been through this phenomenon, I think it might work. Right. That's fair. And then you're all set. Uh, Lieutenant Seth J. Bordreau writes us, uh, in defense of O'Brien, uh, while trans people were giving him O'Brien crap because uh, he was so chill uh, while his wife's life, wife's life was on the line, while transpa- transporting his wife aboard, I found Colomini's performance completely correct. O'Brien is a highly trained, experienced NCO. During a moment of high stress, it is entirely realistic that he would fall back on training and the multiple drills he's likely conducted to power himself through. It's rare to be scared during. Uh, you get scared afterward when you have a moment to think. Also, Matt, oh, ooh, this, this, this guy, he's, he's stirring up trouble here. Come also, me, Matt, bro. birds of prey. <laughs> Love you guys. And it says, Secunda. Uh, oh, you sad, confused soul. That's all well and good. <laughs> uh, the other thing, well, I will say that, like, I, I think that you're correct, and I, but I just want to like a little bit more inflection in his voice. Just, just a little bit. Just yeah. a hair. Beneath the, yeah. Um, or a little, a tear or two. Lieutenant J.J. Carter. I would have liked right? a close-up of the transporter pad as tears were hitting it. Just his drop, hands shook. drop, drop. His hands are shaking. We don't know if it was his hands shaking or the fact that he just he did the procedure correctly, but... <laughs> he reaches to the side, grabs a pint, puts it down. Uh, Lieutenant J.J. Carter. Uh, O'Brien said that he lost 40% of the mass in the transporter and, quote, might have lost one of them. Dude, that's nearly half the mass of the whole team. That's at least one and th- three-fourths of them. Maybe uh, saved Keiko's leg or something, but 40% <laughs> doesn't equal one person. I would say uh, Bad that, math, like, O'Brien. I would say we have no idea how much Guinan's hat weighs. Oh, uh, that's a really good point. <laughs> that's got to be 40% right that there. It could be. You know, you lose that hat. It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> We've lost 70% of the mass, sir. Oh, also, here's a was, question. It was just Guinan's hat. Have we ever seen Beneath the Hat? Because you know my pet theory about Guinan is that she's yes, a spider we, we have, there. we have seen Beneath the Hat, Andy. Okay. Well, right. I'm just saying. Star we Trek don't know that she's not a spider yet. She has, she has hundreds of children. She, you know, her lifespan is different than humans. Yeah. A space For, spider. I'm not saying a human spider. Yeah. Like, wait, uh, like a space spider that, Bar- that uh, Barkley is uh, shown by uh, O'Brien that he keeps as a pet? <laughs> That's a good point. I guess that is a space spider. Sure is. <laughs> uh, looks very much like a tarantula, but it's a space spider. Um, all right, here we go. Eric Peoples writes us this episode. Oh, and then JJ uh, Carter's last uh, joke about O'Brien is this is why you get nowhere to sit down. Um, <laughs> Eric Peoples writes us this episode 
uh, illustrates perfectly how ridiculous it is to have children on that ship. The Ferengi were going to sell the crew into slavery, kids included. <laughs> it's one of the... Were they... Were, didn't they not touch the children in the... Uh, in their little recreation area? I mean, they left them there, but I'm sure they were just going to wait for them to grow up and then sell them into slavery. That's or just sell them into slavery as children. Right. It's one, It's the one aspect of TNG I always hated. Just imagine when Riker gave the order to fire on Locutus, there was a classroom full of kindergartners five decks down singing Bingo Was His Nemo. It's pure insanity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's no protocol either. Like, when they go into full-on battle-like situations, the idea of yeah. a star drive being separate from the saucer section was that you'd be able to evacuate civilians on the saucer section and, and, and have a good time. There's no mention of it. They don't even try. And it's uh, it's precarious, to say the least. It's too long. And also, if you're in that kind of danger, it's usually last minute anyway. So, um, And then Anna Williams tags onto that. Uh, found it interesting that the Frankie leader is the one to make this really good point about the kids in this episode. <laughs> He is the Frankie's right, one's sure, like, yeah. why would you bring your children on this ship? So he's the one with morality. Andy's Accent Corner. <laughs> Ferengi edition. That was without a guide. I didn't have any Ferengi sending in his accent. I just <laughs> guessed at it. Um, <laughs> Lieutenant Frederick Rombouts uh, writes us, by my count, both Michelle Forbes and Whoopi Goldberg, barely, were over five in this episode. Rosalind Chow, with a meager one line of dialogue, was decidedly under five. I think that's true, but I think oh, they make special Oh, wow, deals. I hadn't even thought about that. That's wild. They had to it pay occurred guest to me. star, though. They had to pay our guest star, right? Pay, yeah, right? they got, they got yeah. their set rates. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mark C., transporter chief of Rupert Crandall's Inside Straight and branding executive. <laughs> Still funny. <laughs> and branding executive for Section 31's Com Badge. Ooh, he's adding to the, <laughs> adding to the comedy. Uh, good use of the uh, of your uh, the, the parenthetical after your name, Marksy. Uh, I know the whole becoming kids trope is ridiculous on its own, but I can't shake the plot hole that uh, they have adult cognitive functions in an adult uh, adult brain in a child's skull. If their brain was the only thing unaffected, they would have suffered brain trauma as their adult-sized brain was crammed into their kid-sized skull. On the other hand, if their brain was randomly the only organ to shrink perfectly with no de-aging, it could not connect to their body because nerves, etc., do not perfectly scale up as we grow. Diameter is similar. Also, if the brain if their brain remained like an adult's, they should immediately collapse because it would take months for their brain to adapt to their suddenly similar sorry suddenly smaller limbs, changed gait, etc. I could go on and on, but this neuroscientist this neuroscientist gives this uh, episode zero Andes for scientific consistency. <laughs> I mean, I'm honestly, he doesn't even yeah. bring up the fact that RVN is completely fake. <laughs> It's true. Uh, he says, I am honestly contemplating assigning this to my spring cognitive neuroscience undergraduate class so they can learn by dissecting what is wrong here. I would love to hear your your, your cognitive neuroscience undergraduate class dissect any episode, Mark C. That'd be fascinating. Um, let's see. Hiss writes us, Lieutenant Hiss. Um, I like to think it's Sir Hiss. Um, I'd like to bring up two wharf points. So this is really an issue, I think, mostly with me. Firstly, I don't know what you're talking about. Worf would be totally pumped that Picard endangered his son to help save the Enterprise. I think that's actually really true. Secondly, I'd ask you to compare him with Dr. Crusher. I think this is uh, touching on an issue we've seen before. We've often seen Worf taken out easily, 
uh, like in Rascals and many other episodes, both because he'd be able to solve an episode easily if he was a badass and to give a threat more weight. The same thing happens with Beverly. Diseases slip by her. She's unable to fix spines or save patients because if not, no episode would happen. The difference is you often blame the writers or script for, quote, not letting Worf be as cool as he should, but Beverly has somehow gotten this reputation as a bad doctor. Your thoughts? Well, that's Andy's theory. Yes, although he's right. I guess I guess we, well, I, he's he may be right, or she may be right. There's, a, there's more of a gender bias for me there, right there. Um, that uh, we tend to say that the writers aren't allowing Worf to be Worf, whereas we don't say the writers no, aren't allowing Beverly I, to be Beverly. I, I, I think what we say, which is accurate on both sides, uh-huh. is that the writers are writing Worf like a like a like a bale of hay. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I guess it's a question of like species wise, Worf is a Klingon and should be more capable. Whereas human-wise, you'd be a competent doctor or an incompetent doctor. I also always thought that they they did Worf a disservice in uh, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite. He would be much better at baseball than he is portrayed in that DS9 Yes, you're on record as saying this. Um, Do I have a Worf theory? I need a Worf theory for for why he's terrible at everything. Maybe that would even it out. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, get get that brain churning. All right. Well, we'll see if it comes to me. I can't. I don't want to force it. You know, I got. It's just got to come naturally. Uh, Lieutenant we're, George Porter. We're six seasons in, it should have come by now. Has <laughs> anything else come naturally at this point? <laughs> um, oh, Matt, I'm sorry. I forgot to tell you. I got a, a voicemail coming up after this. Hey, I got it ready to go. Okay. Uh, Lieutenant George Porter writes us. Uh, I thought your discussion of the crew members preferred pizza toppings to be correct correct i thought your discussion to be correct mm-hmm. uh but you forgot the most important point nurse ogawa would have insisted that they get their pizza from her favorite restaurant in the universe the five line tavern in eagle rock <laughs> oh it's he, he put a uh, he put a um um a, link. Uh, a website it's actually a place called the five line tavern yeah <laughs> Uh, have you been there? Uh, I've never heard of it, but that oh, seems wow. like something they do out here. And that is it for the Priority One messages, and we're into that. All right. Let's head out to the hallway. Captain, we are being hailed. All right, this is a voice hail, and uh, it's from, it's for True, uh, True, Q? Is that what it was? Yeah. Um, also, by the way, it also works for this episode because Data's poetry gets uh, gunked up into the system. That's a really good point. Here you go. A Q-Who haiku. See-through folks are transparent. Does Andy get it? <laughs> I know that he's referring to the fact that we were saying that uh, oh. Amanda's parents were transparent. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get it. Uh, yay! Zakunda got something. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, good job, sir, whoever you are. Uh, I was rascals. like, is, is, that a, is that a Jeffrey Tambor reference? I don't understand. 
Um, <laughs> nope. Uh, Rascals from Thomas Jordan writes us. Uh, you haven't dropped Rascals yet, but I'm less than a minute into the cold open and believe this scene provides the best evidence yet to support Andy's theory that Picard is a virgin. He's on some sort of getaway with three women, but his sole focus is ancient pottery. Interesting. <laughs> I'd like to know what you expect him to do. Do you expect him to like make it like the Austin Powers jet? <laughs> That is true. It's all of a sudden a round bed, and he accidentally falls over on everybody. <laughs> Not to mention, one of them is is Rose is subordinate, and yep. uh, Keiko is married, and, and uh, his relationship and, uh, with Guinan is his friend goes well beyond friendship. Yeah. So, <laughs> although people have theorized, uh, they have. I think that when we were doing that other the other time travel one, yeah, of course, times time arrow, one, part one and two. They, they, people theorized that uh, there was a lot of looks between him, moments between him and Guinan. That, oh, that so he spoke was more there, of friendship. There, hang on, was there? Are they presupposing that there was some 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 hanky panky post that moment? Or I think the well, I mean, there would be. Yeah, I guess it would be. Eventually, there would be because that's a past Guinan. Yeah, and that past Guinan is injured. Uh huh. So I don't so think you, the I don't think the Elorians are really in the mood for loving while they're severely injured. We know so little about the Elorians. I know. We just have to piece it all together ourselves. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, that's it for the hails. Okie dokie, let me close them up. I'm guessing uh, the hail shortage was the fact that it took me so long to remember to put the episode up. <laughs> I mean, it gave it a more manageable amount so for me to, long. to sort I apologize through. to everyone for putting it up over the weekend. Andy kept going, hey, you should put the episode up. Put the episode up. And uh, Andy was, uh, was his fucking notifications were <laughs> silented again on my phone. There's like a, you know, you can do not disturb an individual person, Andy? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, look, I'm just saying, these are things you discover when you let a 16-month-old handle your telephone often. Uh, Maybe Henry doesn't want the pod to go up. <laughs> I could Henry could be like uh, making me miss out on so much fun. Henry listened to one of these episodes and he was just like, "Oh, uh, again, so much off-topic yammering." Just uh, get to the episode. The worst. I Ugh. hate you guys keep talking and talking and talking and say nothing about anything. Anyway, it's time to talk about the episode. Which guys, detach the, the saucer the section. Places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Yay! It's time to talk about this week's episode. And that episode, of course, is A Fistful of Datas, which uh, was written... Oh, sorry. It aired, rather. November 9th, 1992. Andy, what's going on in the world? I'll tell you, Matt. Uh, the number one song in the U.S., I think we all remember this one, was How Do You Talk to an Angel by The Heights. Oh, yeah. 90210 spinoff that became another Aaron Spelling show on Fox along with Melrose Place. Boy. And some Jamie Walters singing, singing right at us. Um and uh, the number one song in the UK was "End of the Road" by Boys to Men. Moved yeah, over there. Right. Um, the number one movie in America was uh, "Passenger 7, the number one book. Uh, "The Tale of the Body Thief" by Anne Rice. The number one TV show that week, "60 Minutes." Deaths that week: Chuck Connors, The Rifleman. 
Um, and events, the Church of England votes to allow women to become priests. Sub Pop Records creates a fake grunge slang word and gets the New York Times to publish it. <laughs> I feel like that's specifically interesting to the uh, to the uh, writer of this week in track. And that's it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, The Heights. That is hopefully the last we will hear of you. And it's time to check in on the chairman of the board himself, ladies and gentlemen. It's everybody's favorite segment. Frank Sinatra, come on! Da, 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 da. It's time for that segment everybody hates. Fly <laughs> me Frank to Sinatra, the moon. come on. Let me play. Andy, what was the chairman of the board stars. doing in 1992, Let November 9th? A four-hour TV like miniseries dramatizing Frank's life is shown across two nights this in week on words, CBS. Frank's daughter, Tina, was executive producer. She wanted Ray Liotta to play her dad, but he turned down the role. Philip Kasnoff took the part instead. You don't know him from anything big. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Women in uh, Frank's life were played by famous names such as Olympia Dukakis, Gina Gershon, and Marsha Gay Harden. That's a pretty good cast. Oh, wow. I know them from something big. I never saw the Rat Pack movie. Olivia Dukakis, uh, also from Lowell, Massachusetts. Oh, really? Yep. Yet she plays a she plays a hardcore uh, New York Italian, and uh, she's also Greek. So a lot of that's an actress for you. in Moonstruck is what it was. Can you believe about. it? Yeah. <laughs> All right, just need those horns to come in. It's time to talk about. A uh, good old fistful of datas, and I'm going to read from Dr. Trek himself, Larry Nevichek's book, Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition. This was directed by Patrick Stewart, teleplay by Robert Hewitt Wolf and Brandon Braga, with a story by Robert Hewitt Wolf. And here it is. With some spare time to enjoy, the Enterprise crew head in different directions. LaForge tests a hunch that data can be used as a backup for the ship's computer. Alexander coaxes his father and later Troy into taking part in an ancient West holodeck roleplay scenario he's written. But after the test link up to data, uh, minor glitches become obvious in the ship's systems. The android's bad poetry showing up in a play script Dr. Crusher is rehearsing. That's editorializing, Dr. Trek. <laughs> Far worse is what holodeck gamers discover when Alexander is kidnapped by outlaws and the game won't stop. The weapon fail-safes won't work and the bad guys confronting them by, one by one assume not only Data's looks but his abilities. Knowing that they can only end the game by surviving till the story's end, the outgun Troy and Worf prepare for the inevitable gunfight while back in reality, Data begins lapsing into a western drawl that tips off what the problem is. His memory has been crossed with the ship's holodeck database. While LaForge uh, works to repair it from outside, Worf saves himself from an ambush at an attempted hostage switch for Alexander by jerry-rigging a force field to repel the outlaw's bullets. Even that, though, cannot save him from the big pucker of the saloon owner, Annie, who now looks like Data. Okay. Nice. Nice description, Dr. Trek. It was the pucker. The pucker of Andy. All right. You know what? I, I like day-to-day life on the Enterprise. This, this seems like it should be right up my alley. I mean, we got Picard just sitting around practicing the flute. Here we go. 46271.5. The Enterprise has entered orbit of Deinonychus 7. 
but our scheduled rendezvous with the supply ship Biko has been delayed for another 48 hours. In the meantime, many members of the crew are taking advantage of the delay to pursue their own projects, myself included. He just starts weeping, playing the flute, thinking about his family. <laughs> they were so real to me. Change the clarinet to an oboe. Continue recording. Now uh, add giant applause in the background. <laughs> Constant applause. Computer, pause playback. Come. Whoa, what just happened? I don't know. It says you paused the video, and then you left. Huh. Am I back? Oh, oh no, Andy. You're not back. Uh, am I back now? Yeah. I don't know what happened, but it was frozen on my side anyway. I was just playing along. Well, there you go. Now, you can probably catch up and watch uh, LeVar Burton have a couple of days of hair growth. They didn't want to disturb anybody. Pause playback. We're working on a new interface that would allow data to act as an emergency backup in the event of a ship-wide systems failure. In theory, my neural network should be able to sustain key systems until primary control is restored. Hmm. It sounds like an intriguing experiment. I'll be interested to see the results. Permission granted. It's possible we might even be able to run some secondary systems through data. Weapons control, sensor... Yes, I get the idea, Mr. LaForge. Thank you. Please proceed. Bunch of nerds. <laughs> do you think that... Uh, do you think... Um, Patrick Stewart, because he directed the episode, was was like, you know what? He doesn't get annoyed enough at these people. I'd be more annoyed if I was Picard. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> I'm going to make him more annoyed than ever. <laughs> you know, real, I, I do. You it's, do? It's very, I don't know. I, I, really, I really enjoyed this part of it. Did you enjoy uh, this? Totally. Yeah. Um, okay. John Luke, I need to talk to you about something for breakfast. Breakfast. The play. Ah, yes. It was almost an interesting story. He was going to be like, breakfast, but it's dinner. No, no, it's <laughs> breakfast. I've lost a night of my life. And then we uh, go on some other adventure. But instead, I'm here we so are. I'm so tired. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's a very intriguing drama, but I really don't have the time it would take to learn a part. And uh, anyway, I'm not much of an actor. That's no problem. <laughs> I wish he kept, because he directed it, I wish he kept staring down the barrel of the camera after he delivered that line. I'm not much of an yeah. actor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much of an actor. Wink. <laughs> you guys know I'm great. Come on. <laughs> and then he had to like fight Berman to, to keep it in, but they eventually... It's just, just a perfectly good take here. I mean, just, why don't we use this? They just Who lie. says we can't break the fourth wall? <laughs> <laughs> We're in space. There are no walls. <laughs> oh? Well, you wouldn't be playing one of the leads. Oh. It's a very small part. Only two lines. Really? It's the role of the butler. Well, I'll think about it and let you know. <laughs> you would be wonderful, Jean-Luc. These people We're are narcissists. How so? He's clearly trying to get a moment to himself. How often are these people rolling in, hassling him? Also, why aren't they just talking? I, mean, right, I understand why Beverly's coming in, but... Jordy and uh, Data can't, uh, you know, just, you know, send him a, a memo or hit the comm or something? 
Why do they have to rush in to talk to him? Oh, I think there's just nothing going on. Literally nothing uh-huh. going on. So they're like, well, I mean, we could just walk up and ask him in person. Yeah. They're probably just like, they're enjoying the convenience of time. Much, I guess, to, uh, much to Picard's chagrin. Look, as two people who have dealt with showrunners of various mm-hmm. types, uh, you know that those people are, you know, they're overloaded. And uh, you really got to pick your moments carefully. And anytime you walk in to talk to them, you have to assume that they don't want to talk to you. Or at least minimally they yes, could, but, I mean, I've could seen be overloaded. both well, of us go in to talk to a showrunner and the well, other person because, be like, not a good time. I wouldn't do it. Well, right. it's going to be fine. <laughs> Well, that's right. Well, that's, that's what happened there. Is these people are as annoying as we are. Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. Computer, begin playback from the first measure. And kill anyone that comes in. Computer, pause recording. Yes! Captain, I am sorry to interrupt. No, please, Mr. Wolf, come in. I was hoping to take advantage of the Beagle's delay by staging shipwide security drills. I have planned a tentative schedule. Oh, yes, this is very impressive, Mr. Wolf. But we'll be taking on new personnel at Starbase 118 in a few weeks. Surely the drills can wait until then. In that case, I will use the time to perform maintenance checks on the forward phaser array. Mr. Wolf, is there some reason why you're trying to give yourself more work? Trying to avoid spending time no, with my I actual son. To use the extra- have you met Alexander? <laughs> you must have seen other episodes. He's intolerable. <laughs> I actually haven't met him, but uh, I'm sure he's lovely, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> you know, I was a child recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, I met him as a child. I was also a child. It was a good time. I put his life in danger. Yourself. You have the free time. Use it. Yes, sir. Thank you, sir. That really is the only subtext, is he doesn't want to spend time with his kid, right? <laughs> oh, a thousand percent. Uh, it's very weird. Like, a, like he comes back in and sits down on his chair like a, like, a, like a harumph. Yeah. The captain saw fit to release me from my duties. You mean you can go? I can go. Also, they're playing Alexander as a delight Stop, in this episode. Father. He's not his normal annoying self, so it like makes it even it's even colder that Worf is like, yeah, I guess we can spend the day together, son. Isn't it weird? Oh, that hooray! This, this, this episode is the episode in which Alexander is his least annoying. Yeah, it's it's, it's pretty weird. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting. There's a but there's a hang on. Is it this music cue? I love it. Yeah. I love that little violin sweep that they do to make it very westerny. I, like, there's a couple of those things, and also the shot at the end of the sh- the show with the Enterprise riding riding off into the sunset. I also thought oh, it was delightful. so delightful. Uh, yeah, everything in this episode. This is what's crazy about this episode. All the the setup, everything, all the all this the 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 day to day activity and people just chilling, and then people annoying Picard. They go into the western thing. I'm like. This is going to be great. I heard this was a bad episode. This is going to be fantastic. In a way, I almost wish that it was less about Data taking over the holodeck and more of a just a day-to-day thing. Uh, that would have been a fascinating thing, too. You know what Data's I mean? Like a, like, a, a like a Data's day, but for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with you. But that that being said, I also feel 
like going into the holodeck and doing another holodeck episode in the old west could have been great i i feel like they they did it i don't know they made some real weird choices after they got past the credits (laughs) let's talk about them all right uh all right here we go the reveal I mean, look, and maybe it's the Red Dead Redemption, but this is not as horrible as I remember. Where are we? <laughs> Deadwood. It's Deadwood also. Earth. Love it. The ancient West. That's always bothered me. I know. I was waiting for you to say. <laughs> I don't know why they, they call it the ancient West. They call it the ancient stupid. West constantly in this episode. <laughs> I mean, why can't it still be the Old West? <laughs> well, it's it's further in the past now. Yeah, yeah, but it's the Old West. It's the pre-civilized West. You know what I mean? It's just always uh-huh. going to be the Old West. Right. It It is It is a good point that even if it was further in the past, they probably wouldn't have rebranded the phrase. Yeah. And they would have gone like, maybe like call it the Western Frontier. Maybe you could call it that. And I'm okay. Yeah. Something about that calling it the Ancient West always was like, I really, even as a child, rolled my eyes. I wrote in my notes, ancient, ancient West. This is really going to set Matt off. <laughs> <laughs> it did. Our function here. You're the sheriff, and I'm the deputy. So, we are in law enforcement. Right. Uh, I mean, I like it. I, I like that. Uh, let me just talk about what I like about it. I like that that Alexander designs this program to play in with his dad, and that he makes his dad a sheriff. Yep, they're the good guys, and I like yeah. that Worf is like delighted to be a lo- in law enforcement. <laughs> yeah, it's it's all tracks. It's very considerate of. Uh, it's really a great gift that Alexander gives him. Theoretically, it's yeah. not the best most challenging program which obviously they realize immediately but uh but uh yeah it's i love all this up to this point but it really like and even the fact that it's in deadwood i mean i know that it you know (laughs) it didn't hold any of the importance yet but i really love that that detail uh but it also like it's just like it borrows it borrows hard from moriarty and um And the Dixon Hill one. It borrows from it? Yeah, like the safety protocols being off. <clears throat> yeah. In the Dixon Hill one where the 20th century uh, historian gets killed. You're saying it borrows in a, in a bad way or in a good way? In a bad, it's like we've seen this. Uh, you could, totally, yeah. And they yeah. spend a lot of time on it in, this, in the next scene. Yeah, so and it, it, it really is, it, it feels like, it just feels like a rehash in a weird way. Yeah. Um, I don't I guess know. it's I guess it's the single episode aspect of it, one-off episode sort of aspect. They wanted, they felt like they had needed to explain it again. But I'm with you. Also, frankly, even if they were going to recap it, they could have done it quicker. Hmm. We didn't get to the. We didn't get to anything yet, really. Okay, great. Damn, dude. What do you think? As is the case with many natural growth processes. It is difficult to envision the end product based on an intermediate stage. You're right. Give it a few more days. So this is just this has just okay, got to be Levar Burton wanted to grow a beard, right? I I don't know. Or maybe he had another part. I didn't see anything on Memory Alpha. 
No, I don't think. I honestly, I think it's. <laughs> That's I what think, I looked up on Memory I, Alpha. I honestly think it's fake stubble. What? I feel, like, I feel like they wrote it in. No way. No, because I think he's. That's I think it said I he's, he's growing like. it in the next episode. That's what I feel like. Okay. That's okay. all I'm saying to you. <laughs> your feelings are invalid. I'm telling you, your feelings are invalid. So wait, is the next episode is uh, quality of life the one where he has the beard? Uh, I don't know. It says it's growing in more in the next episode was what it said. Oh, okay. I think they mention it in that. Well, then I guess my question is, why did LeVar have a beard? Okay. Great question, Andy. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. One moment. It appears fuller in the next episode. This is a problem here. You know how many different ways Data's head opens? Uh, yes. That one, it feels like, even if you were like, <laughs> if you were to like, if you, if you were to put on a, like a hat, you know, right. for a holodeck program, his back of his head would open up. If he were to lean yeah. on his uh, post, like, I mean, when he sat at the con and it was in that very reclined position in the first two seasons, it feels sure. like his head would constantly be opening up. <laughs> I mean, I have to I assume he has, he has protocols that, are, that lock it shut. I don't he know. Doesn't, it doesn't just pop open if he scratches his head. Like Why would he scratch his head? He's an android. All right. Okay, fine. <laughs> then somebody like rubs his hair and is just like, ah, come on, big guy. Come on, big guy. <laughs> And then all of his things pop understand. open. <laughs> like, like when R2 gets electrocuted. Exactly. Constantly working on similar electronic systems, yet their appearances do not disturb you. Yeah, but you're not just another electronic system. That's Thank you, Jordy. Jordy making the move on Data there. Nor are you just another biological organism. Data reciprocating. All right, that should do it. Because they're truly friends, Ready? unlike Picard and Data. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Establishing computer link up. <laughs> Interface complete. All right. Let's see what you can do. This seems to be th- that idea of giving data just like, hey, let's hook you up to the to the ship and see if you can run everything. Seems enormously dangerous for several different reasons. Well, I mean, as I've said before, once that Soong program took effect and he took over the Enterprise and locked everybody out of the main computer and then went on a joyride. Yeah. Out. You're out. You I, gotta yeah, go. I agree. yeah, totally. I Not know, to mention, I know it, it makes was a program. Every, it makes like 90% of the crew redundant. <laughs> well, they always have been. Yeah, I guess that's true. He's killed 23 men. He's the meanest and the toughest gunslinger in the West. But for some reason, we cast someone who did not seem like either of those things. They cast someone who did not seem like what? Uh, The meanest or the most dangerous person in the West. Seemed like a very... I liked his Very unthreatening... You could have picked any number of character actors that was sort of a a, a grizzled, tough guy. Yeah, but I liked the young, careless, cocky person. All right, there you go. Two, two, two different. This episode's sets of, the best, Andy. It's a ten out of ten. Come on, we'll have to rank him, uh, rank his Andy's at the end. His his own Andy's. <laughs> sure. You are under arrest. Is that so? I mean, also, if you think of like Billy the Kid, he didn't. He looked like that. Yeah, I guess you're you're going with the the youthful kind of version of him. Yeah, all right. I just don't think he's intimidating at all. I wasn't. I mean, obviously, I'm not afraid for Worf anyway. But well, you I should be. For this Once guy. they go to level four, it's a really good point. 
I mean, I, I should be worried just because Worf is completely unable to defend himself. Freeze program. Enable. What is wrong? That was too easy. It has to be harder to beat the bad guys. Otherwise, it's no fun. Computer, increase program difficulty to level four. Go back to where my father and I first walked into the saloon. This I was a little annoyed by. They repeated the whole scene? No, well, yes, but also the fact that, like, the holodeck just didn't, like, put them at the door. (laughs) They had to literally walk over to the door. It's the holodeck. Oh, that's a really good point. All right, places, everybody. That's what the holodeck shouts. I Please move to your previous position. What? Everyone back to one. <laughs> and yes, they um, play this whole scene. I again. just don't know why they do the whole scene. They it's, do a the, good, the, it's a good 45 seconds. It's like crazy. And yeah. also, this is what I'm saying. You didn't need this episode to be this slow. Like, this is where I start getting into problems because I'm like... I love it. Let's do it. All right. They're going into town. They're going to face these bad guys. How is Worf going to handle it? I don't even mind the level four thing. Just get to it all faster. It's yeah, so slow. Yeah, it's also, it's all, it's all, I, the other thing I had a problem with too, weirdly, about how the holodeck runs. Uh, again, this is very nitpicky and uh, welcome to this program, guys. We're a bunch of nerds here. So, uh, I the fact that like all of this dialogue plays out of earshot of the two people in the holodeck yeah. is crazy to me. The holodeck shouldn't be running that. A hundred percent, not to mention, here's a side issue that sort of goes along with your issue. I find in all of the holodeck things that are uh, uh, stories that are like this, with the exception, obviously, of the Moriarty episode, because he became uh, pretty much sentient. um, We spend an enormous amount of time on this character color with these holodeck characters (laughs) that are all fake and we don't care about them. We don't need to establish them. They're all made up by the computer. Like, who cares? I mean, it's very, it's a lot like, uh, I mean, anytime they're the holodeck, it's a who cares. And Minuet and all the, it's like they deal with them as though they're real people and we should be invested in it. I'm not invested in any of these things. Right. Rest. Well, looks like Sheriff Worf's here to arrest me. I'll tell you something else. This guy and Brent Spiner clearly did not spend a second discussing what the performance was. Oh, that's funny. I was going to ask you uh, what you thought about that. Like, I was wondering if you thought maybe they 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 never had a discussion, or like, do you think? I I felt like it was Spiner doing an impression of this guy times three. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean he's spinering it he's not uh <laughs> he 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 he's not multiplying it he was he was i think he was multiplying the performance by three. intentionally i don't know well that's the that's why i say spinering it yeah but I, I don't know i see i feel like at most it was you know that they passed each other in the makeup trailer and he's like oh what are you gonna do for your thing and it's i'm just gonna kind of do a basic kind of i'm doing western like got it okay great and then spider just said i'm just gonna do what i want to do yeah but then you gotta (laughs) think that like that patrick stewart directing it would be like oh yeah good point so i think it's honestly i think it's like but let me ask you this yeah how heavy a hand do you think patrick stewart the great actor had as a director don't you think that he wouldn't have you know given him accent 
or or characterization notes. He just would have talked about his motivation. Uh, probably. He also probably would have had a perspective of like, they're always giving me too many notes. Although I'm sure they gave him no notes at this point. But yeah, I don't think anyone's really noting him. I'm beginning to see the appeal of this program. Don't twitch a whisker share. Unless you want to shave. It's okay. Here it is. Here's what? I, I got the theory. Oh, about Worf. Okay. Hang <laughs> just, on. Hang on. It, it, this, all this all this scene that brought me to a theory, Matt. Where are all the bathrooms at? Who let an android have a cat? Is Data just pretending to be so no one knows the answers least of all him it's Andy's theories it's it's beautiful because everything tracks in this episode up till now Worf does not want to go in and do this he does not want to go in and 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 face this program and mm-hmm. it's because he knows that in the old west what he's expected to do is shoot people and he doesn't even shoot this guy even though everybody's got a gun and he's been told how dangerous he is so my theory is that Worf, the reason he's so bad at everything, the reason he's so bad at punching people and shooting people, is that he is a pacifist. <laughs> and he is secretly happy every time anyone shuts him down. He's doing his job as a security security you know, chief, but he's like, every time he says, eh, shoot the face, no, we're not going to do that. He's like, oh, thank God. That's what I think. Andy's theory. Uh, here we go. Oh, that was supposed to be the close. We'll just close it with that. Uh, You're going to have a lot of people disappointed. Your theory's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Your theory's terrible. Would you you rank it lower than the others? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, because it's so blatantly false, especially when you D-Space 9 Wharf. I mean... No, I can't speak to that. Maybe something's changed by that. Maybe there's another theory. (laughs) Could be this, this experience. Could be what he goes through here. Saddle up! First, get their money and jewelry. You are a murderer and a thief. Man's got to make a living. I suggest you find a new line of work. I asked Counselor Troy to join us. She loves Western stories. You regret this, stranger. He really spent a lot of time on this guy awkwardly putting his gun in his holster. I, I thought he did some nice little maneuvering. Nah, I mean, he's I no he's no fucking Murphy, you know? Murphy? Robocop. Oh, I see. From the starboard inertial damping system. Damper's online. Maintenance check in progress. Data Beard half grown. Here. What's up? Beard half grown. That's what you're just you're just announcing it out loud. Uh, I say that's that's one of the things that uh, Jordy's uh, listing off, and with the dampers, dampeners, and everything else. <laughs> oh, I see. I did not get to that with the inflection for some reason. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really do it, uh, Jordy. Jordy, it's hard to do with Jordy. <laughs> I mean, look, here's how you do it. Ready? Yeah. On the starboard inertial damping system. Dampers online. Beard half grown. Maintenance check. You just gotta progress. you just gotta follow I think we're on to the pantameter. Here. Yeah, sure. Let's see what you can do with the secondary systems. <laughs> Try gravitational control. Initiating gravity. What's wrong? 
There appears to be an energy fluctuation in my neural net. I am disconnecting my interface to the computer. <laughs> that runs the whole ship. <laughs> interface deactivated. You all right? I have experienced a brief power surge in my positronic subprocessor, but I am fine. Maybe the interface coding isn't as stable as we thought. It's like we've got a couple of hours of systems analysis before we can try this again. Let's check the interface programming. That's ay ay ay. So anyone listening to that, uh, what happened was uh, data data picked up his tricorder, flipped it around, and then holstered it, just like the unintimidating villain, just like Andy's least favorite villain. Um, yeah, and that's that's the act break. That's where they they fucking land it. Uh, by the way, we skipped over. Um, we don't have to go back for it, but just um, the the uh, prostitute on the. Um, <laughs> And, uh, oh, and that, that, was, that was funny that Barkley helped him. I kind of felt sad for Barkley that, that even when he's not on the show, people are still hammering him as a perv. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think rather than hammering as a perv, I think what they're doing is he truly uh, cares about uh, disappearing into the environment of the holodeck. You know, that's accurate to the town. I see. He was just caught in the authenticity. He was just going for the authenticity of, of Deadwood, yeah. South Dakota. Yeah, I guess from that perspective, it certainly is funny that he doesn't consider that a child is... Correct. Is, uh, that I buy. <laughs> that I buy more than him just genuinely being a perv. I buy that he just is so so particularly located on, on the spectrum that he really is just fucking laser-focused on holodeck programming. That adds up to me. Um, I will also... Uh, uh, say uh, that uh, oh in, in regards to the saloon I found it uh, obtrusively or or strikingly empty <laughs> and I wonder if that was that was Alexander's choice of just like I want an incredibly empty saloon well they do clear out in the in the second part when uh, when it's level four everybody clears out oh I thought that I feel like even because you've got that, like you've was... got like there's four or five poker players. Yeah, you've got like there's like three other tables occupied. Somebody oh, standing. Oh, there at three the bar. other tables. I feel like yeah, it was yeah, emptier yeah. before that. Okay, no. then I stand corrected. We, we, just a, we just spend a lot of time in it empty. I thought Alexander just uh, wanted a program that would uh, it is save super, on paying. It is. It's super empty extras. when he goes back in. When Worf goes back in, it's super empty. Yeah. Okay. He, Alexander didn't want to pay extras. I am sure that the three of us can handle any problems. Hold on. I was just passing through town, saw a little trouble, and thought I'd lend a hand. But I ain't one of your deputies, Sheriff. Marina Sirtis must have been... some support in this matter. What were you saying, Andy? Marina Sirtis must have been happy to be doing a different weird accent <laughs> other than her own weird accent. <laughs> uh, meaning her beta Z accent. Her beta ZX. Uh, it, 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 I think she was just happy to be able to smoke a cigarette. Yeah. Uh, and uh, not be in that terrible outfit. Yeah, that's probably true. 
just I, she's probably just like genuinely excited to wear pants that are pants and not part of a onesie. Yeah. Durango. I'm called Durango. Yes, uh, Counselor Durango. Perhaps you would consider becoming a temporary deputy. Counselor Durango. $500. Alexander, we require large amounts of currency. Yes, sir. I'll go to the bank and make a withdrawal. Diana, how do you know so much about this period in Earth's history? My father used to read me stories from the ancient West when I was a little girl. I must admit, I always wanted to play the part of the... He called it the Old West, but that was 35 years ago. Mysterious <laughs> stranger. That is, does not add up that he would change it back. <laughs> you are so brave. Facing down that evil man like you did. <laughs> it I is mean, delightful it's a good how, how happy by he is. Dorn. Sure. The fact that he's so happy is pretty great. Got away with Wayman, Sheriff. Now, down, down. I mean, I like it. I like the. I like the music. I really do. It's just a little one. slow. Playback tracks one, two, and three. Tempo allegro. What's with that flower? It's got a lot of plants in there all it looks of a sudden. It's like a fucking super comfortable chair. Yeah, it's true. Really does. It really does. Contact your contacts and find out what it was. Computer, stop playback. Computer, identify musical composition. Picard Mozart Trio, program one. <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. I was... I had forgotten that Riker was even in this show at this point, And I was like, Riker? Where's Riker been? Uh, you know, I, almost, I you do kind of miss, like... I wish there was one more beat of Picard getting bothered, and it was by Riker. Yeah, that would make more sense. I guess they were probably they but had to cram you know, in the he's other stuck plot. doing this play, so whatever. Right. I wonder. Do you think there were scheduling issues going on this week? And like, no. Frakes needed out for some reason. No. Nope. It's just so strange. What's strange about it? Where does he belong, really? Well, I'll tell you because this is part of my problem, and I think it's going to show itself a little bit more. Um, first of all, I think the reason they didn't set up more of a thing that also to to your point you know who's the person in charge of ship's resources is the first officer so they don't even need to go to Picard oh really good point um I guess I just I feel like the episode has very little emotional spine to it and to me the thing that would have helped the emotional spine is and I know that they've sort of played in this area before, which is, I think, why they didn't really tread heavily on Worf isn't spending enough time with uh, Alexander. They kind of just made it this throwaway joke, which I think makes Worf seem kind of like a dick. Whereas mm-hmm. if Worf was a workaholic at the beginning and wasn't spending enough time with 
Alexander, and then this is finally the opportunity to spend time with Alexander. Um, I think it, we feel the investment more in, um, and the turn more in him enjoying it. Um, and then I would say also, I think Alexander should have brought in other people from the crew to participate like Riker. Um, and I think then it would have, it should have been, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I think it should have been, if you want to have it be all a bunch of datas and they're taking on datas, it should have been the whole crew or at least everyone except Picard taking on the datas and they're trapped in the holodeck. That would have been a much more interesting episode to me. And they all have to use their skills to beat this unstoppable android or, or gang of unstoppable androids. As it is, they kind of play it for comedy and it's a little bit light and even when it's dramatic, Data's not really that dangerous. Yeah. And, I, uh, and you have unused characters. Everybody's got stuff to do. Not really. Riker certainly doesn't. Riker has to read the poetry. <laughs> I stand corrected. That's how we figure out. You could have ditched this plot entirely and just put them in the holodeck. Well, I mean, look. Also, you could have had Picard read the fucking... Then you would have had Picard, Data, and Geordi on the outside, and the rest of them on the inside fighting Data. Yeah, but it's like that's like the reverse of fucking the Sherlock Holmes one. Because it's, well, it... it's Geordi, Picard, and Data on the inside. Well, that's what it is anyway. I mean, it's all treading in the same area. So you, you're, the main switch is the Old West and the Data's the villain. So. I don't know. But I'm, I guess what I'm saying to you is I don't know if there is a way to make this good. I just told you. <laughs> all right. Is your taxonomic nomenclature an endothermic quadruped? Carnivorous by nature? Hold it. Will, what are you reading? I did love this. The lines, why? That's not the right dialogue. Your visual, olfactory, and auditory senses contribute I to I recognize it. This is Data's poetry. It's about his cat. Why does nobody say that? <laughs> the play is gone. I just keep getting more poetry. <laughs> the music's thing. All I'm getting is poetry. <laughs> no! That's what I'm saying. Why don't you even have that Poetry! I mean, don't get me wrong. I love that there's a reference to Ode to Spot. That's amazing. But you don't need that scene. You don't need her there. You don't it's need her working on the thing. It's funny how obscenely outdated that pad looks now with the giant size of those processors. Oh, yeah. That's just funny to me. Pads are functioning normally. Seems to be a problem with the information retrieval net. Somehow when you tried to call up your play, the computer accessed data's literary files. Jordy, perhaps this problem is related to our interface experiment. Mm. We'd better run a level two diagnostic on the computer, see if this problem is spread to any other systems. And I will perform a self-diagnostic. That's a good idea. I'm also going to run a scan on my beard. How's my beard look, doctor? <laughs> Can you give me your medical opinion? You will let me know if you find the play. Oh, yeah, don't worry. It's in here somewhere. It's weird that she's worried about not being Real able to get obsessed. a copy of that play from anywhere. I know. I guess that would be a, a fear in the future. Alexander gets uh, gets taken. Boy. I'm not supposed to be kidnapped now. Computer freeze program. Hey, computer freeze program. 
You want us to kill him, Senor Frank? No. He's more valuable to us. Alive. Kid doesn't say anything about it being data. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't want to skip any of your spot business, Andy. Nah, it was a great scene with Spot. Spot looks right at him. It's really cute. When he talks to him. <laughs> I like that Spot is finicky. I find it extremely difficult to predict what you will find acceptable. Perhaps hunger will compel you to try it again. <laughs> if you don't like it, you can starve. That's another way of saying it. <laughs> Seriously. Look, it's animal cruelty. Well, it's like it says in your Andy's Theory song. Who let an android have a cat? Oh, so true. So true. Clearly, Spot is just going to get food on the other side of the uh, computer. You're not fooling me, trainer. Um. Klingon Firewine. <laughs> this ain't Kansas City. We ain't got none of that fancy European stuff here. Maybe I should get you a sherry. Ain't that what they serve at Miss Lanford's? It is, ain't it? Ain't it? I mean, at this point, he shouldn't be popping into the bar. Because, like, if you really think about it, he's there to spend time with Alexander. Uh Uh-huh. He hasn't seen Alexander in, like, an hour. That's a good point. (laughs) What are you looking at? Nothing. Nothing at all, Mr. Hollander. What do you want? My boy. That is impossible. Your son is to stand trial for murder. No read on whether or not he likes the sherry. Well then. No. It's it's interesting. On the one hand, if he didn't like it, you would think, ugh, this is so light. On the other hand, if he liked it... Well, he loves uh, prune juice. Let's remember that. That's true. So where does Sherry fit on that taste spectrum? Is that so? It's a beautiful sunset right now, Matt. Is that so? In the show? Nope. What in real life. Deputy. Ignore it. We're watching Star Trek. But the sunset. What about him? Where is he? I do not negotiate with criminals. Your son will stand trial. Not so fast. So this is the other thing. What are you doing? We're more than halfway through this episode, and this is the first moment of real danger. Like, he kidnaps him, but it's like, you don't have any sense of... Yeah, there is a like they just should have. This all should have been like moved up way in the show, and then I, I would have been, I would have been so much more on board. I, that's what I'm saying is like I think the pieces are there. They just didn't do the right thing with the pieces. I like that Worf gets shot and doesn't even know. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Safeguards are not functioning. Alexander's in trouble. <gasps> My God, you've been shot. Computer and program. Tis but a scratch. 
Troy to Captain Picard. Troy to security. There's another character in the program. Hollander's father. And he looks like Commander Data. Data? But it is not Data. I, I cannot explain. I believe he has taken Alexander. Oh, now isn't that a shame? Poor Sheriff's been injured. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the other guy's matter? performance. Was my ball a little too rough on you? <laughs> I would have liked it if the other guys did. All right, can you just show me what you did in the other thing? Oh, uh, yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, for shame. I got it. I uh, got it. So it's, oh, for shame. Uh, no. And now what were you chewing on? <laughs> hey, right? Okay. No, no, no. I wasn't chewing on anything. I was just I had, I, I had playing cards. I, was, I had playing cards on a barrel. <laughs> got it. Got it. Oh, wait. I mean, there's a couple things wrong here. Like, if this thing had the strength of data, then it would just rip the door open off the jail. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> and, wander and wander out. And wander out. Also, they would, they would be able to move at super speed. Maybe they're not aware fully of their abilities. Yeah. You can buy that. The program would automatically terminate. You were right. I think the second he like got uh, got the got the shoulder grip from Data, he should have been like, "Okay, we will exchange. I will bring you your son if you bring me my deputy." Yeah, like skip this scene. By speaking to the people of but this I guess you got to show that Data's infiltrating more of the system. Subduction. I don't know. I think you could have easily created plot plot complications inside the program itself. That would have made it more difficult for him to get Alexander back, and that would have been a better expenditure of time. And to my point, that's where it would have been useful to have other people like Crusher and Riker in there, that they all could strategize together and figure out a way to beat this unstoppable person. Also, that way, if but you then start, to your point, like they don't know that he's un- he doesn't. They, the characters themselves don't know that they're unstoppable. Well, that's the way they're written, but because Data would, them, Data would a fire a gun much faster than that guy. Well, you also could have played it that uh, that they discover slowly that they are unstoppable. Um, that sounds like a longer episode. I don't, Maybe I just not, because they take so much time with everything else. Yeah, so I'm saying not if you squash all the plot points up, and then he slowly real, and then you could have one of their strategy points be like, "Look, they're realizing you know, that they have the powers of an android." Here's how you do that. Yeah, you could start the episode with Jordy plugging in data uh-huh. and have a chief engineer's log yeah, explaining what they're doing. Right. Uh, he could say, you know, given the fact that uh, the Enterprise has 48 hours of downtime, blah, 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 blah. Right. Uh, data and I have chosen to use the free time like this. Right. Next scene is them walking into the holodeck. Right. And then I think they what they were probably doing was that they were eh, you have right you have Picard in other scenes so it's not like he was trying to avoid doing more scenes because he was directing so yeah it doesn't even you don't even need to do that scene at the top I mean it's a nice scene yeah with them bothering him but you don't but need it you don't need it temporary computer access replicator selection recreational programming no critical systems that would explain why your music composition program began playing the Slavonic dances I, <laughs> I like how this 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 scene is just to tell us that there are no stakes 
<laughs> yeah. Nothing important. Recreational right. things. Okay. <laughs> Very strange. Collected works of it's another good point. It's the same. There's with no Dr. stakes for the rest Flint. of the ship. And with the food replicators. The replicators on decks four through nine are producing nothing but cat food. Cat food. Are the cats on board happy? Nutritional supplements for Spot. Oh, when can you correct the problem? We are currently attempting to isolate the corrupted circuit pathways. I reckon the process should take less than two hours. What did you say? I said the process should take less than two hours. No, you said, I reckon. According to my memory logs, I did not use those words. Y'all must be mistaken. There, Data, you did it again. Did what? Uh, Mr. LaForge, perhaps you should take Mr. Data to engineering, see if you can find the problem. Deactivate him, take him apart. (laughs) (laughs) If you understand my subtext. That's odd. <laughs> That's odd. No other danger here. So, <laughs> Commander, I was thinking maybe tomorrow we would go over personnel changes. <laughs> I don't even know. Oh, I see. So this is how they show them that they have the speed of data. It's this card shuffling. I don't know why they wouldn't assume that he had the speed of data. Although I guess it is... But what you're saying is they don't know they have the speed and accuracy of data. Yeah, right. I'd also I have a, qu- a couple questions about Brent Spiner's arms. Are Not they that hairy? hairy? Is that just mm. is that a, is that an insert shot of someone who better? Is oh, like better good at, question. I better at card play, like card shuffling. Is that like Ricky Jay's arms? <laughs> the shuffling didn't seem that impressive, so I assume uh, it was Spiner. Right. Yeah. That's I mean, it. thank God, Spiner's always got those sleeves. <laughs> I mean, that'd I guess, be a very complicated thing to just to like figure out like Android wise. I guess Sung had hairy arms. <laughs> they called him Hairy Arm Sung. I want my the duplicate of me to have arms as hairy no, as mine. You're not doing it right. What am I doing wrong? You gotta really lean into how old you are. <laughs> Rob, oh, Dana, right. I'm gonna give you arms as hairy as mine. Of course. <laughs> Make some lip noises. It's a little bit like Mark Twain. But yeah. not as annoying. <laughs> we must begin a systematic search of the town. Worf, we've got another problem. I saw Eli playing cards. He was shuffling the way Data does when he plays poker. He doesn't just look like Data. He has Data's abilities. Which means his father probably does also. Should they be having this, this conversation in front of the open jail cell? Well, you know, they seem to not know anything about the outside world so like i think when you're talking about data blah 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 they don't know yeah whatever i don't know why i'm trying to fix fucking plot holes in this episode you know you could have also made it data is in the game at the beginning the actual data is in the game at the beginning and somehow something goes wrong with the holodeck interface with data and makes him the character. So it's actually Data. And not this weirdness where they're plugging the whole whole ship's computer into his brain. 
So you like want, Alexander you, so invited you, Data you want, and everybody. And so it's like Data's going to be the Data villain. somehow gets reprogrammed. Yes, in the holodeck. Yeah, I mean you'd have to come up with some sci-fi gobbledygook of why, but it's no less crazy than them plugging the whole computer ship's ship's computer into him. <laughs> So I have the entire crew in the holodeck. Have they ever done that? Maybe Sans, Sans Picard or, you know, somebody. I'd love to see O'Brien in there as yeah. an Irishman. They must, have, he must have, they must have done some holodeck stuff with him on DS9, no? Fuck yeah, bro. We always go into the hollow suite with Bashir. There you go. Ready, Sheriff, to avoid a ugly situation. Release my boy. I have reconsidered your offer. I will release your son in exchange for my deputy. Which I should have done four scenes ago. I thought ago. you might have a change of heart. What'd you say, Andy? Which I should have done four scenes ago. <laughs> in every western I've ever read, the villains always break their word. He can't be trusted. But we have made an honorable agreement. <laughs> With I like that line. Morph. This is the ancient West. There's a gunfighter I hate that out line. there who has the speed <laughs> and accuracy of an android. And in two hours, he's going to try to kill you. But what have I done? Has anyone tried to get in the holodeck? They've been in there for six hours. Yeah. Well, we figure part of my memory structure was replaced with information from the computer's recreational database. Specifically, the files relating to the American 19th century West. That would explain the accent. You got it, partner. This is a result of the experimental interface? I'm afraid so, but we've initiated it. <laughs> this is still not connected to Here's the other the plot. Thing. And Here's there's, the as thing. you say, there's no stakes here at all. None whatsoever. Uh, Patrick Stewart was just like, I don't want to cover you standing in them. You better get down there somehow. Get down somehow. I don't care how you do it, Jonathan. Just get down. <laughs> You're too tall. I can't. I can't frame it this way. You got it, partner. This is He's kneeling down. He's kneeling in the scene. It's wild. But we've initiated yeah. a progressive memory purge to restore Data's programming to its original state. He should be back to normal in a couple of hours. And what about the computer's recreational database? We started a memory purge there as well. That should take another hour, maybe two. But Worf doesn't have two hours. They don't know that anyone's in danger. <laughs> I know. The ship is operating. They, they don't even realize in this scene that it's connected to the holodeck. It's just connected to the information about the ancient West in the, in the ship's computers. Well, yeah. I mean, it's also like, you know, they're replicators, all the other shit. Yeah. So, eh, eh, but it also is funny to me. Like, there's no ticking clock on the people. Usually when someone's trapped in a holodeck. There's a ticking clock on the outside. Yeah. To get people out or to get the holodeck off or whatever. In this one, they're, they're not solving Worf's problem. No. Because they're unaware and, of Worf's problem. So and Worf's problem has no, no bearing on the ship. Like Correct. If it, they should have tied it together so that there was some danger to the ship and then they realize it's connected to the holodeck. Yeah. And then they realize the danger that's going on in the holodeck. Right. They should have all... like. To your point, there should have they, they there should have been stakes outside of Worf might get shot. 
They maybe should have just had everybody be able to communicate right at the top of the show also. Obviously yeah, there's, there's no reason why the combat shouldn't work. They, they obviously don't because they wanted, for whatever reason, to keep everybody chill outside of the holodeck, but they shouldn't have. Well, it's like you can't have it both ways, right? If you want to do a chill episode, everyone's chill. Yeah. Do that. Right. Don't do one where half the people are chill and one person's in mortal danger. Right. <laughs> right. You just sit tight. We'll have this all fixed up in time for supper. Good. Well, at least my beard's coming along. I will along. be positioned here. Here at the eastern end of the street. Frank Hollander says he will approach from this end. When he reaches this point, he will be within range. Understood. What about Alexander? Now, there's a rain barrel in front of the saloon. It should be enough to stop the bullets. S- side note. Yeah. His plan, I think, is that Alexander will know to duck be- behind the rain barrel. <laughs> That's how he's protecting his son. It should stop the bullets. Well, it will stop the bullets. And how does Alexander know to dive behind the barrel? Who? I mean, I, maybe he's just assuming Alexander knows to get undercover. I guess so. Let's see. Like also, roll, he could really just, rolling he could the just, dice with your son. He could just yell just as easily as uh, Data yells at other Data to get down. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of uh, Worf's technical prowess here, building his own little force field? Uh, I think it's impressive, and I think it indicates that uh, this crew could uh, oh, yes. make uh, things thank you, out of I'm in your debt. strange devices in the in olden times. Although uh, he's working on the comp badge, so I guess that doesn't really fit. Yeah, there was no comp badge. Yeah, the no comp badge <laughs> in inner light. There was a flute, though. Yeah. I've never seen the passage of time be shown by a clock in anything other than, like, the and earliest old. of black and white films. <laughs> Maybe it's, it's supposed to be kind of a reference to it, but I'm with you. It's weird. I have connected the communicator's energy cell to serve as the power source. How long will the field last? No more than 15 seconds. It is highly unstable. Let's hope it's a... We also could have used this communicator to contact someone off off of the holodeck. (laughs) But I don't want to ruin the fun. (laughs) But they won't believe us. (laughs) I'm sure that there's a larger problem with the ship that they're dealing with. Probably something horrible. We might be getting sucked into some type of gravity well, and the ship might only have minutes. Otherwise, someone would have come in and helped us at this point. Even the guy who had the holodeck time booked right after this should have been here by now. I don't understand. (laughs) That could have been the C plot. Sure. Barkley Barkley waiting for his holodeck time. (laughs) So Data has become everybody. Yes. At this point. Which I like that. Like, I like the increasing danger, except there is no danger. (laughs) Also, like, this guy up here with his shotgun, it never fires a shot. Now, do you think, in terms of that concept of there being a ton of datas, yeah. do you think they like came maybe up with... Maybe like a, like a fistful of them? 
do you think they came up with the title Fistful of Data? They're like, that's fantastic. And then they were like, how do we make that make sense? Yes. <laughs> you think? Yes. That's, that right. is, I'm going to look at you because I have you on this screen. I'm going to look at right. the camera and say, that's exactly <laughs> what I think happened. I think yeah. that someone was at home or at Blockbuster over the weekend right. and was like renting a movie and they were like, I watch a Sergio Leone picture. Yeah. Oh, Fistful of Data. <laughs> Fistful of Data. Holy shit, Fistful of Data. What if it was a holodeck episode? And then like went work backwards. Yeah. No question. I've never seen a, somebody who is quick drawing on someone put their hand up so high between <laughs> cocking the hammer of the pistol. Yeah. He's like, it's like they, it's, they, they, just, they, they just didn't bother teaching Brett Spiner w- how to do that. I would sort of accept that maybe the holodeck or either either that or 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 Barkley or um or Alexander are programming it more from old west movies than they're programming it from the actual old west. And that's the reason everything is so arch, but they have like but they just say in the other scene that data has accessed the files of the 19th century like the historical files, not the media. Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> So wh- let me ask you this. I don't know why he doesn't fire. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> if that's your question, I can't tell you. He could have shot out of the feet. I don't know. Maybe no? he can't put his. Maybe he can't get his arm up through the shield. Maybe it works both but ways. But if he can't get his arm up through the shield, then that's a weird plan. Then but it's, it's like, also I'm like going to but stop it's the also, bullets for five seconds, and then I'm going to shoot. No, no, that's not the weird plan. The weird plan is okay. You can't get your hand up through the shield fucking get your hand on your pistol for sure ready to go cock the yeah. hammer and then when the f- field drops then you raise your arm and shoot you don't have to do well anything. he's mad he's not doing it because he's afraid to shoot somebody because he's, he's a pacifist i guess you know. don't even think about it why didn't she just shoot him what's up why didn't she just shoot him excellent question probably because he she would shoot him and then he, he would realize he that would he's, realize he's bulletproof. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, like I was watching this shot. What do you think of this shot of the gun going through the air? That has that's practical, right? Because they weren't CGing a gun. What is it? Should play it. I didn't see it. The gun going through the air in slow motion when when the uh, Mexican fighter data throws it down to gunslinger data. Um, I don't remember. Yeah. Like, I think they they just shot that practically. Yeah, I think you're right. So are you, so you impressed with Spiner grabbing it? No. I'm impressed what? with the... I, the I'm impressed with, like, Patrick Stewart's vision for the shot. Oh, yeah. The only thing being... The only thing weird being... I guess it's supposed to be, like, the whole moment is... Is sort of slow-mo kind of Sergio Leone. So I guess that's the, in, that's the intention. Yeah. Unless Barkley programmed it to be like a Sergio Leone movie. That would be cool of Barkley. Here's the weird... Uh, I, I assume you're about to get to this. Well, how does fucking Worf outdraw data? Like you're saying he has the abilities. Well, and I, that's why I really, I really like the idea of I'm going to create a shield and that will give me the edge because these people aren't expecting it. But if you're just doing a, a face, a head-to-head I, I, I quick think this draw... Is, I think this is cut poorly. 
Uh huh. I think this shot should go before this shot right here. That maybe you're pausing the same frame I am, but it's 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 Dorn reaching down for his weapon. So it's you think that we basically? I think this shot should go first, then Senor, and then throw the gun. Right. So you basically, know. the gun doesn't get to Data in time to yes. outdraw. Yeah. Because like Data's already got the shot off right, the way yeah. this is cut. Right. Frankly. It but I do, li- I do like that Worf is a good shot. Right. For the first time in the history of Star Trek. Yep. <laughs> because it's a bullet that moves, you know, a couple hundred miles an hour instead of a phaser that moves at light speed. So, Which is another the strange... The one time someone could actually duck out of his shot, they don't. It's also a strange sort of weird morality because these aren't data. They're just holodeck creations. Why, is, why are they not shooting any of these people? And if they, if because they're also, Starfleet, I also feel like they're if we are Starfleet. saying that, that they're bulletproof, well, how was he able to shoot the gun out of his hand? I don't know the whole thing. What are you it talking could about? Could have been good. How, what do you, how do you shoot the gun out of his hand? You shoot the gun. The gun's not made of data. Oh, I see. It's just you're saying that the force of the bullet pushed it out of the android, super strong android's hand. I don't, I don't think the android was super strong gripping it. But the android is super strong when he grabs Worf by the shoulder. Yes, but I think that the end... Again, I'm going to not argue to the point of this episode being at all logically sound. I hear what you're saying. I guess I'm all I'm, all I'm because, arguing is... Because these characters have emotion, along with that emotion, I believe surprise can be a thing that you can inflict them with. So he, I think all, that they are surpri- he is surprised that the gun is shot out of his hand and does not have time to react to that. What I would have wanted to see, and frankly, even if you didn't bring in the other characters, I would have wanted Worf to see Worf do it. To have him really come up with a great battle plan on how to beat a bunch of unstoppable androids. He does. And that's, I like the shield idea of it, but that's not enough, and it doesn't time out right, and shooting the the fucking gun out of his hand doesn't add up to me. It should have been other stuff. But, like, you know how, like, in Red Dead, when you shoot the, whenever you're dueling someone and you shoot the pistol out of their hand, Uh it's, like, so much more gratifying, and you get a lot of honor. I guess I'm just saying it doesn't Hang up on, me. let me finish. All right. What do Klingons love more than anything? Honor. What do you get when you shoot a gun out of someone's hand in Red Dead Redemption? Honor. <laughs> what is Worf shooting the gun for? To get honor. <laughs> Who's watching? His son. <laughs> and what does his son play? Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> and why does he want to get on her? So he gets the positive ending where he dies. <laughs> and he gets discounts at all the stores. <laughs> Shoot me. Because he looks at his son. And he decides not to do it. That's why. Do not show your face in this town again. That seems a little too on the nose for Worf to know. <laughs> that phrase. <laughs> yeah. Father! Should be should be like in this quadrant Are again or right? in this isn't. He's so angry about it. <laughs> Are you alright? <laughs> yeah, why is he so angry? Father! Are you alright? Yes. End program. I don't understand this. The story should be over. What's left? Computer, end program. 
Mr. Barkley told sure. me I needed to add a comedic tag to the end of any story. <laughs> to shoot knives. As you are with a woman's heart. Computer. So crazy town. Gets it like it gets incredibly homophobic here. Or you know, just like incredibly crazy like the connotation here of like wharf like the worst thing that could happen to me is data kisses me while he's in a dress right yes computer now oh thank god data and the ship's computer have been restored to normal operation our rendezvous with the supply ship Biko has proceeded. I like plan. the Biko design, FYI. It's an Oberth class. Mm. What kind of ship is an Oberth? Anything in particular? It is a supply ship in a science vessel. Mm. No. Come on, man. I want a shooty ship. They don't have any. The only, the only shooty ship in the entire Federation to this point doesn't exist yet. They're currently... I think they're in this timeline, they're... They've they're probably they've probably built the Defiant at this point, but it's been mothballed. I think is the Defiant the first military ship fully? There's they don't even have, yes. but they all must be dual purpose ships because there's so much to be there's so much no. there's so much discussion of how powerful the Enterprise is in terms of being. Well, the armed. Enterprise is truly terrible at fighting, as we've seen many times. <laughs> Honestly, it's not this is the this is the goal this is called this is quote unquote in the in the in the in the head canon of many fans this is the golden era of starfleet uh-huh. where they were at peace this is the longest period of peace starfleet had ever had okay so they started building these crazily giant ships that had family space on board right with much less focus on defense and offense they still seem very powerful. Which is why they're woefully underprepared when the Dominion strikes. Right. Father? After what happened, I guess I'll never want to go back to the ancient West. The town of Deadwood may face danger once again. If they do... They will need a sheriff. It's very rare to see Worf without his baldric on. Oh, yeah. And a deputy. So I guess but I, I feel think like... I'm going to hire Counselor Troy. She's a better deputy. <laughs> I'm sorry. This shouldn't, I shouldn't have told you now. <laughs> Perhaps when we get to Starbase 118, you could go there. <laughs> um, yeah. Puts on the hat, looks in the mirror like a child. They even kind of gave him a crappy hat. I like the hat. Give him a heroic hat. Like a white, like a white Stetson. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Oh, and then this is the great shot with the little music, too. The music touch here with the guitar in the score. Yeah, this is amazing. after all and the harmonica Star Trek is a western in space come on that was a fistful of datas everybody it's time to announce the MVC will be joining 
I think it's Counselor Troy. <laughs> I think Worf huh. is lost without her. Well, Worf does. I think I don't know, now I don't even know how to, how to argue it because Worf does come up with the shield, but the shield does the shield save them? I guess it kind of buys time. Uh, um, Worf and they would empty be dead. Their, their bullets. Worf would be dead in the saloon had she not come in and shot the hat off that guy's head. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, this is kind of the problem. Is like I wish he was the MVC. Is there anybody else who's the MVC? They don't really. I'll from the outside, there's no problem on the outside. They never solve it. It's not yeah. Jordy. Yeah, it's not Jordy. Not, not data. Yeah. All right. It's 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 Troy. I'm with you. I think it's Troy because like he'd be he wouldn't know what the fuck was going on. I mean, it's partially Worf because Worf comes up with the with the shield and and he's the one that shoots data in the hand. Yeah, but let's pretend Troy's not involved. Worf is dead. Uh-huh. The computer ends the program because uh-huh. the hero has died. <laughs> yeah, but if he doesn't beat Data, then then Alexander's dead. They weren't shooting at Alexander. Uh-huh. So you think they just at shoot Worf and that's The it. end result is only Worf dies. <laughs> Again, we discussed how there's literally no danger. <laughs> you convinced me. It's Troy. <laughs> uh, all right. I guess now we'll uh, answer this question. How many Andy's does this episode get? There's certainly, like, flares of enjoyment in there. Like, a lot... Gra- a decent uh, premise for an episode, but, like, the holodeck uh, breaking all over and over again. Uh, I mean, we've seen it at this point, like, four times. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the performances were good. I really like Marina Sirtis in it. Uh, I like day-to-day bullshit on the Enterprise. But it, you know, it drags, and it, it's... I guess it's the wasted potential. That uh, that's might, what I'm. That's what that, I'm saying. Yeah, that might bother me the most about the episode, which is tough to tough to judge because that's more just like. But I wish it was this instead of saying what it is. But yeah. well, the other thing. Okay, so let's say what it is. Yeah, it's a boring holodeck episode, right? So that's so what it doing. is. So what regardless of whatever potential it might have had, yeah, judging it based on what it is which is a boring holodeck episode. I would probably give it. I think there's a there's actually there's enough in this. Yeah. To make me enjoy watching it like I don't outright I'm not like this is never one where I'm like I mean it's not man of the people bad. <laughs> you know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Like so it's like a 4 for me. Yeah. Yeah it's a tough one because it is like the setup is so great and the potential is great and I don't even have a problem with you you come up with the title and then you want to do a bunch of datas and it's cool to have it be like a bunch of dangerous datas you know another thing they kind of missed out on is Worf in the Old West they kind of hinted him saying like I like this this program why didn't he become kind of a sort of a badass that was that was getting in bar fight if you're going to do with the oh let's go the fun route he's having fun doing bar fights he's fighting everybody in the bar he's doing a i understand there might be a budgetary concern well, he's, he's, like also, the, being he's a, also the sheriff an old west well maybe then you don't make him the sheriff maybe you make him the outlaw that the sheriff is chasing and date is the sheriff that is um, not honorable that is not klingon that's true i still feel like you could have gotten him getting into bar fights because they're starting the bar fight and he's fighting them and trying to subdue them 
I think he should have gotten into a bar fight, accidentally murdered the sheriff by punching his, <laughs> by like, f- by f- by palm fisting his nose into his brain. Yeah. He actually kills the sheriff. There's uh-huh. panic in the town. We have no sheriff. Right. And then uh, town charter says, you killed the sheriff. You're the sheriff. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little I'm known rule. Kidding. It's and, then, uh, and then the uh, emotional spine it like if you had had him, he doesn't want to go in, and then he goes in, and then maybe maybe even start, and he's and he's doing the the wet, old west thing, and then he gets called off on some kind of duty, and is him and Alexander are arguing, um, and then he can't leave, and he's trapped in there, and then you're immediately off and running with what's wrong with the holodeck? You have the problem on the outside. It's just a lot of stuff, but yes, let's judge it as it is. The beginning is good. The concept of the old west is good. I did like Spider doing all those crazy performances. Um, I just feel like it could have been more comedy. I put it, I put it at three point five. It's about the same. Uh, well, there you go, uh, Andy. Let's take a look at next week's trailer, "The Quality of Life," an episode uh, that I've seen many times and enjoy quite a bit. Uh, let me know when you have it up. Got it. And uh, three, two, one, play. A powerful new invention leads to a startling discovery. I have reason to believe the exocomps are alive. But a crisis will force Data to choose between man and machine. Doctor, the station must be evacuated. Prepare for emergency transport. I have locked out the controls. Will he sacrifice his own captain to protect a new life form? You release that transporter lockout now! Cannot do that. On Star Trek, the next generation. But you love Picard so much, it's all he dreams about in his old age. <laughs> there you go. That'll be it looks like there's a lot of action. Next week, quality of life. Uh, do you like that one? I like that episode a lot, yeah. Oh, great. I mean, I'm not here to tell you what I like or don't like beforehand, Andy, but I just did. Yeah. Well, maybe we should. <laughs> Uh, then I should do this here, then. Matt, <laughs> you have them watch this episode? Yeah, tune in. I really like it. You know it. I mean, kind of would I, make I, more sense, actually. That was too quick. That was too quick. <laughs> yeah, it would make more sense, I guess. There we go. No. New no, no. segment. No, it would make more sense. <laughs> it would make more sense because it's... It's, um, I don't know, who knows. It's like when they're well, tuning in for that particular episode and then they find out whether they should watch that episode. It's, well, I think it does make sense because, like, they've heard this one. Now they're going to go ahead with the next week. And then, like, next week, it's like, should you bother wasting your time or just listen to the clips on the show? Yeah, good point. But I like this for, because it's like, it's, it's, it, it's pointless for you because you have to watch it. Right. <laughs> if the, if the jiggle was more like, Matt, should, Will Andy enjoy this episode? That'd be more fun for me. <laughs> That'd be interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe you can rank. Maybe oh, maybe you could do. You could predict my my uh, my ranking. Oh, that's interesting. Remember when we used to write down our rankings on paper beforehand? Yeah. Hmm. Do you want to still do that again? No, but yeah. I do want to guess Andy's ranking. I'll have to rewatch to guess your ranking. So okay, that'll be fun. Guys, I'm going to guess Andy's ranking next week. Will I remember to do that? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) That's part of the fun. Yay! We're the most fun ever! (laughs) Disengage. Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter 
at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.